What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we've got another great episode for you this week. Uh, you're going to have to uh, bear through if my speaking sounds a little weird. I just bit my tongue like an hour before this. Uh, I have a cloth full of blood spots. I uh, thought I took off pretty much a good chunk of my tongue. I got lucky. It's just going to hurt tomorrow. That's all. But the bleeding has stopped, and the show must go on. So uh, before we get into this week, reminder, if you want to help support this podcast, uh, there's a bunch you can do, but the easiest way, the cheapest way, the the most efficient way to help support the show is to use the Amazon link that we have on every episode and at the homepage at todayinspace.net forward slash home. That's right. And if you just use that link and you do your shopping like you're normally doing anyways, because it's awesome, then Amazon kicks us back a little bit and you're helping support the science and the fun and all the cool stuff we're doing here. So uh, without further ado, let's start the show. We're talking about constellations. We're doing Greek mythology this week. We're talking about the year in space. We've got tons and tons of stuff to talk about. So let's just get into it. Uh, Let's go. What's up, everybody? I am so pumped this week. Uh, it's it's really been an incredible week. Uh, I mean, just just started off. The returning members of the Year in Space mission are back. They're back on Earth. They both taken their perspective jets from their perspective uh, space agencies that have taken them back home to their homelands. Scott Kelly to America, Mikhail Kornienko to Russia. And don't forget Sergei Volkov, who was the pilot of the Soyuz that helped bring them back to Earth. They are all safely back here. And the science saga continues where we're going to figure out, hopefully, the answer of can humans live in space for large periods of time with little to no gravity? Or are we inevitably going to have to find a way to create artificial gravity on our spacecrafts if we're ever going to actually travel through space, which is going to require a large amount of energy. Not going to bring fuel with you. It's going to have to be nuclear or fusion or something with that kind of energy output. So now that that answer is long down the road, but to start, because <laughs> we can't start the show there. Let's let's start a little bit further back, uh, and I'll just I'll tell you about my week. I, I mean, this is a really, uh, really good week for me. It started off really crappy. Uh, just my mood wasn't right. Uh, you know, uh, it, it was just a tough week to get into. And what I ended up finding out was I'm I'm missing that mental stimulation that 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 kick I get out of learning something new and you're probably saying well what do you 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 have a job and you do a podcast where you research stuff about space all the time like how are you not 
satisfied mentally. I have a ravenous appetite for intelligence. And it's not actual intelligence. It's information uh, that's useful to me, that stimulates me. This show is a perfect example of that kind of stuff. But uh, just the way I was doing things, it's very easy for me to sit back and say, oh, this happened to me and this got in the way and, you know, I couldn't do it because of this. All that doesn't matter. It, what was happening was I wasn't giving myself enough time to give myself that extra stimulation. I wasn't, I wasn't putting myself in the, the right place. So uh, what I did really simply is I went and I got some audiobooks. I mean, that was my, my big, big thing this week. And it, I can't tell you how much better I feel. Like, I, I feel motivated. Like, I, I get to crank out work, kick ass at work. Absolutely kick ass at work. And then come home and kick ass for this stuff. And I, I, I'm in a much better place this week. I don't know if you've been able to hear, hear it the last few episodes. Um, but, you know, I was, I was having, having a, a hard time making it all work. And this week I feel like it's coming together. So if, if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling a little sluggish, if you're feeling like you're not really in the place where you want to be to be successful, try and figure out what it is. Try and analyze that. Try and think, all right, what am I missing? What, what, what am I really looking for? Uh, you know, some, I've asked myself that question a lot of times, and sometimes I'm too stubborn to <laughs> to realize what it is. So, you know, just keep working at it, and, if, and eventually you will come to that answer, and you'll find something good. Now, if you're like me, and you do want to be mentally stimulated, uh, we're very happy that I can offer you guys two free audiobooks if you uh, use the banner for um, Audible Books. And that's, that's what I picked up this week, and it's been amazing. And I found out I could offer you guys two free books, and I don't think there's anything better than that. So go do that. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, just uh, stay on top of it. Keep yourself in the place where you can do good things. It will pay off if you keep the work up. Guarantee you. Now let's get on with the rest of the show. And let's really let's let's start by talking about the year in space mission and, and, and what what really happened and what what we're going to expect. Let's get into it. So this week, the year in space mission, uh, as far as the 340 days in orbit ended this week with the landing of Mikhail Kornienko, Scott Kelly and Sergei Volkov, who flew them back to Earth. And, uh, you know, one of, the first, one of the first things I was thinking of when I was watching the broadcast this week was they kept bringing up there was 340 days in orbit. And anyone who's thought about that for more than a second can say, wait, that's not a year. Well, I, I also thought that was weird. And I think... Really, it's it's the milestone of a year in space. It it's it sells better. All right, it sells better if we say it's a year in space. If you say it's three hundred and forty days in space, no one's gonna give a shit. I hate to say it that way, but it's true. So you call it the year in space. It's catchy. You can do a lot of stuff with it, and whatever. What's what's an extra twenty five days? You know, I mean, three hundred and forty days is 
a very long mission. It's double the normal mission of six months. Um, and you know, what, again, let's, let's go over really what, what's really important about this mission and what are we going to learn? So what's really important about this mission is we are learning more about what happens to human physiology in microgravity situations. We've got, uh, some very interesting stuff going on, mainly the fact of this giant international partnership for research, essentially, where everything that's being recorded um, for this mission, the year in space, is being shared through all the, the um, space agencies that are involved, which is, I, I think, all of them, but I, I could definitely be wrong. Um, all the all the countries that are involved, whether they have actual astronauts or people, humans that they're sending into space, if they have a space program, more or less, they're they're going to be able to access this information and be able to work on it. So, what does that do? That helps us uh, get this done faster. Figure out how to get humans into space long term. You know, working towards getting us to Mars. Working towards getting people to work and live in space working on colonizing and living on another planet, becoming a species that can populate itself across solar systems, across galaxies eventually, um, and essentially avoiding the inevitable giant boom that knocks out most life statistically. Eventually, something will get hit. Whether we're around to see it or not, that's the question, obviously. But um, really, it's the ultimate survival. And we're taking those first steps to do that. Now, again, blew that way out of proportion. Uh, <laughs> but the year in space uh, is really a huge stepping stone for us getting to Mars because... The duration of time we need to spend going to Mars, orbiting Mars, and returning is around that time frame. This is the closest we're getting to seeing, can humans, can we send humans to Mars and back and not extremely deteriorate their health and possibly their life? You know, is it safe? Are we even able to do this? You know, we're, we're taking great strides with that right now. We've got the Orion spacecraft, part of the space launch system, which is NASA's solution to getting us off planet and past the moon again. And that craft will be the thing protecting us from all the dangerous stuff on the way. It's going to protect us from all the radiation that's going to hit us. Because if we're going to Mars, we run the risk of radiation. And there's always the risk of a solar flare. If solar flare happens, which the direction of, of what's coming at the plasma and the radiation that's coming at you is impossible to, to plan ahead. So you need to have that backup system because if a crew is hit with that kind of radiation, there's not enough protection for them to, to survive. You know, and they'll be seriously, seriously injured. No, no human being should be put through that. No living being should be put through that. So it's essential that we figure out the, the spacecraft to get us there. But while that's being worked on, we also need to learn, can 
it's it's really the whole crux of of the argument it's 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 like this is a weird way to say it but it's like trying to make uh spaghetti and meatballs without the spaghetti you know what what's we just have meatballs you know this is a side order this is an appetizer you know we need to find out sorry that, that was that was a really weird thing we're trying to find out whether we can actually spend a long time in space in microgravity we've we've taken great strides to get there you know uh following the year in space broadcast uh just today i think it was uh scott kelly landed back home and saw his family he was walking of his own accord and walking next to hugging his brother mark his twin brother mark uh they looked pretty similar, you know, it was, I, I expected to see a bigger difference, uh, physically, but they looked, they looked identical as, as they should. Um, of course that's, that's a very, very, uh, minimal observation. I mean, there's tons of things that we need to look into to see whether or not, you know, they're different. And that's the beauty of, uh, the twin study that NASA has going on. The twin study is seriously going to help us understand what happens to a human individual in space or what could happen. And, and in this case, what happens to one um, set of DNA because we have the extremely statistically impossible situation where this time in the universe we have Two identical, we have identical twins who are both NASA astronauts and one of them will be on Earth and one of them went in orbit for 340 days. We could see what happens to the DNA, what happens to someone that we can base off of a control. You know, and found a great infographic this week of all the science that really is happening in this year in space. So just to, we'll just start from the top and just move around. So to, to start it off, visual impairment. What's going to happen to his vision? You know, the fluid shifts that happen in gravity, there's so much fluid that usually is moving around that because there's no gravity now, just kind of sits. And in your head, you uh, according to Chris Hadfield, who was periscoping, um, while the the landing was happening for the crew, uh, he was explaining that basically when you're up in space, like your whole head, you know, feels like it's just kind of, it's like all the fluids are just kind of stuck there. Your sinuses are, you always clogged up, which would be a nightmare for me. I already have bad sinuses as it is. And if it's going to get worse in space, uh, I don't know. I don't know. One more reason why I don't think I would make it in space, but it doesn't mean I can't get us there. Um, but yeah, you're going to be, we're going to be checking, uh, and seeing what difference did, did his eyes deteriorate? Was there any structural damage? Was living in microgravity a detriment for his eye health? Moving on, we've got the human factors, things like motor skills, um, you know, and, and seeing how well they can perform. Is it affected by living in space too long? It's also the microbial. Uh, we've got 
data uh, from his entire microbiome, from urine, saliva, and uh, stool samples. We got tons of that. Uh, space deposits. Yep. Uh, we've got all those that will be coming eventually on a SpaceX uh, Dragon capsule. Uh, they're frozen on board the International Space Station in the freezer. Uh, and we'll be bringing them back soon. But they've been taking blood, urine, and saliva samples for uh, a whole year before this. Uh, and I guarantee they'll be doing it a whole year afterwards. So they're going to see how bacteria, how much bacteria is and all that. Did it change? Was there more bacteria? Was there less? Uh, is it in different quantities? Are there more good bacteria? Is there more bad bacteria? Is there no difference? This is all stuff we'll be able to find out because of this. Um, functional. Can Scott perform tasks such as opening a spacecraft hatch after landing or walking? Uh, different things. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you uh, right now, uh, he looked pumped he looked fantastic i mean he looked fantastic he really did I, I i was amazed at really how I, i've heard how much space takes a toll but i think they've finally gotten to the point where their astronaut workouts and their astronaut um physicality and, and keeping them moving and 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 really fine-tuning everyone's uh, body, basically, are, you know, are we able to reverse these kind of effects? I mean, the fact that, what was it, a day and a half after he landed on Earth, he was walking, and by his own accord, he could barely get, you know, out of the craft. He had to be carried off, but his body adjusted that quickly. You know, is that is that an inherent thing, or is that something that needs to be trained? You know? It's very interesting. You know, then there's a whole whole another th- bunch of stuff in the behavioral health. You know, what has this done um, to his reaction time, his reasoning, and his mood? Uh, there's also the metabolic, um, which oh, that that's the blood, urine, and saliva samples, um, and that's for the immune system and the nutrition status. But I don't know. I I figure the microbial would also be part of that. Either way, uh, and finally, finally, there's the physical performance. So what happened to his bones? We know we, we, know we lose bone density while in space. How'd they, how'd they do after 340 days in orbit? How is his cardiovascular system? How is his heart? Because we know the heart um, loses mass and muscle because it doesn't have to work as hard. It doesn't have to fight against gravity. You know, and did the exercise program that we have actually, you know, prevent a lot of what the so-called damage would be? And we'll find out, thanks to this year in space mission. You know, and it was it was it was a very cool night. You know, it was late, granted, but it, it was a really cool night to watch. Uh, the Chris Hadfield uh, Periscope was really cool. He told a lot of great stories about his time, what's happening uh, up in in space while you're up there, while you're landing. Um, v- thank you very much, Chris Hadfield, for doing that. That was that was a lot of fun. I hope you do that for more missions, um, or maybe I just found out you were doing them now. <laughs>
But it was a very cool night. I'm super excited to have them back on Earth safely. And I can't wait to see what we find out from this. It's going to be fascinating and, and a lot of fun. It is the first episode of the month. So that means we have a special edition of Look Up! This time we're going to be talking about Taurus, which is the constellation that Orion seems to be charging at. So if you're looking in the night sky, look for Orion. And then, uh, you know, above basically what I guess his right arm would be, uh, you look a little little bit up and to the right, that's where Taurus will be. Uh, and it's an interesting position when, when you consider the mythology because uh, the way it's written in a lot of the old star maps, old constellation maps, that Orion is charging at the bull or that the two are fighting, but in Greek mythology, never mind just mythology in general, there's actually no story of Orion fighting a bull, never mind a bull named Taurus. So, I mean, go figure. I mean, but this is this is what happens when there's tons of different stories from different cultures that kind of make their way together somehow. Um, but Taurus itself, if you go into the Greek mythology of it, uh, the bull, or, you know, Taurus in this example, uh, was a form that Zeus had taken uh, as he had gone down to... Uh, basically find another woman that he could be with because uh as a as you learn in greek mythology zeus was just sleeping with everybody he was having kids with everybody had tons of wives tons of girls uh pretty much just threw his seed wherever he wanted and uh yeah he uh he got it down man zeus zeus was a player but uh <laughs> No, you actually read it. It's pretty, pretty fucking terrible. Especially like the the graphicness of how Zeus came to power. You know, because if you go all the way back, I mean, his father Kronos uh, ate his children because he was afraid that they would rise to power against him and dethrone him from being the ruler of all things. Which is, of course a self-fulfilling prophecy because he did that very same thing to his father because his father had enslaved all of them within his mother because there's a lot of personification in the old, I think it's Rhea, is his mother. Um, there's a lot of weird shit in Greek mythology. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's uh, a lot of incest, a lot of... Um, emotional drama and and killing and weird things like swallowing your children or drinking your children um it gets it gets pretty graphic uh but it's it's really interesting to read because one thing you you really get out of the stories from greek mythology is that there's they're they're almost telling the story of like human interaction and dealing with people and and story of stories of the times and how people react to different things and personalities there are tons of personalities in in the greek comedies and 
and, and the Greek mythology, and they're, they're always screwing over each other or trying to get one over on somebody else or trying to, to make a power move or exacting justice, old school justice, you know. Um, it's, uh, it's a very interesting read for sure, uh, if you ever have the time. But to get back to Taurus, Zeus was basically, you know, checking out what's going on, you know, seeing all the things he ruled over and came upon, uh, this, this woman Europa who used to play by the beach, uh, with all the other girls. So he's checking her out. He's thinking, you know, Hey, uh, I might make a move, you know, I got a wife, but you know, I'm just going to transform into a bull and kind of do this on the low. And, uh, it's not like I haven't done it before. Right. I mean, what is this like the ace time? So, I mean, everyone expects it. I'm just, going to keep pretending like it's not happening. So uh, he had his son, Hermes, set him up and drive the cattle uh, towards the shore so he could be closer to her and transformed into this beautiful, beautiful bull, white as snow, fur, and horns that were supposed to have shined like they were polished metal, right? So basically tricked Europa into getting on his back. Then he literally swam her across the ocean to Crete. And then, as they say, seduced her. Uh, and <laughs> that's that's how he was able to uh, uh, have uh, children with her, because why not? This is like, I don't know, his 50th child at this point. Something like that. He's just just doesn't care anymore he's just whatever i'm just gonna do it um they of course had kids and uh it's the whole where does this come back to real life is that it uh was supposed to have established this famous palace of uh nosos where uh bull games were actually held so there is like kind of a cool connection where the mythology kind of transferred into real life um and you know it's 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 a weird story don't get me wrong but uh it's pretty interesting and, and really when i was doing my research i really wanted to dive more into the mythology and and, and the more i read it the, the more kind of like i don't know the, the crazier it seemed to me that well number one that back then right Whenever the sun would go down, they would be welcomed by this insane show that happened every night. They had this entire night sky filled with literally more stars than they could ever even imagine were there. You know, and, and, and they, they basically created these legends of and stories of of people and this is not just greek mythology this is the mythology uh and the constellations across cultures you know the zodiacs are there um you know between god what was that reason between the babylonians and so so many different cultures looked at this night sky as this this storybook that that just kept turning pages throughout the year you know, and it was it was the same story, but it because it happened over the year, they, they they could tell what the seasons were. They knew when these they personified them as, you know, bringers of of 
winds for their ships. They knew don't go into the ocean. You know, don't don't you're not supposed to <laughs> go out there because you're gonna get pounded by the winds and the seas. Cause look, look what's up there. Like, what are you stupid? Like, you don't know the story? Look up. Look up, you moron. You didn't know that? Well, now you know. You don't go in the ocean when that thing's in the sky. You know, they they could tell the seasons. They could... They... I I just... It it just baffles me. Like, I can't even imagine what it must have been like back then. I mean, granted, I think it was also... The stories were probably not available to everybody. I'm sure the, the, the more educated people of the time had that kind of knowledge and, and it obviously passed down and and uh people heard about it but that point aside i kind of went on a weird tangent there we're, we're gonna go back we're gonna move it back to what i found online which is these old star maps it's the the link's gonna be in the space links for this episode but just like look at these maps and then imagine like this is when they when they looked into the sky this is what they saw they saw these people fighting and all these different creatures laid up on the sky and they all had a different meaning and they they told them what to do they were looking for answers and structure and explanations to what they were dealing with at the time, which if you look at the Greek mythology was really dealing with people and, and, and relationships and, and, you know, if you had power, what would you do? You know, well, if you did this, you would do that. It was a constant game of, of positioning and knowing the other person, you know, and knowing what they would do. I mean, I go back to last month's story with Orion you know, he was killed because uh, Ares didn't like his sister seeing her. So he played on her competitiveness and waited until the opportunity was ripe and struck and got rid of Orion for good. Didn't even have to do it himself. You know, just that that's the one great thing about Greek mythology is it really tells you stories of um, how they saw people in power. It's very, it's very interesting. Um, definitely worth. Uh, once I read a few more stuff, I'll share some books and stuff you guys can get into. Some fun, a good audio book this week. But uh, Greek mythology is really, really interesting, and it's crazy as all hell what they must have thought the the heavens, as they called them at the time, the night sky was telling them. You know, because it's for me as an engineer, I, I'm when I'm looking at the sky, I'm not. I'm not, you know, I'm seeing the constellations, not not like in these maps that they got. They're crazy, um, but I, I'm, I, you know, because I'm crazy. I, I'm thinking of it as a depth percep, uh, depth perception. Okay, hold on, depth perception um, and, and perspective. Like I, I'm thinking of, wow, that's that's all I can, can see right now, you know. And I, I'm I'm thinking of it in depths, like, oh man, how far does that go back? And it infinitely goes it gives me anxiety sometimes thinking about it but that's awesome i love that (laughs) i'm a sicko i know but it's awesome and it's really cool to see what the ancient world used to think of it as and it's amazing they even came up with that the fact that 
that they were able to tell themselves story, tell themselves what they were looking for is basically what they did. They were looking for answers and gave themselves stories. And it's really impressive that they could actually do something like that. So shout out to the ancient world. Uh, I'm, I'm loving your mythology <laughs> and your crazy fucking stories. Uh, and that'll do it for this week's, this month's, Look up. So make sure to go outside and go, go take, take, give yourself half an hour when it's on a weekend, a night where you just actually have a clear night sky. Here it's been beautiful. It's been amazingly clear, cold, but clear. And just give yourself half an hour and just take the time. I say half an hour to let your, let your eyes adjust. And just take 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 some time to to soak it in you know light pollution sucks and i really believe that if we had better well less light light pollution if we actually uh made our lighting smarter then we could enjoy the amazing incredible epicness of the universe that's there all the time but we can't see it because we're too stupid to shoot light into the sky and and block our sight of it you know people you know if we if they could come up with stories like that you know i mean imagine imagine the kind of imagination and 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 fascination and really the just to get us to go into space faster i mean if if we could get if we could get light pollution to go down Man, we would be going to space so fast. I'm not even kidding you. If you could see what was out there on a nightly basis, oh, I mean, people would have so many questions. People would be Googling it all the time. But they don't even know what's there because they can't see it. Now, granted, I mean, I'm talking because I'm close to a city. And, you know, I guess a majority of people do live in cities. So... Let's do it. But for now, with the things we can control, uh, I recommend half an hour. Just go out there and enjoy. You know, go with a friend and just enjoy looking at the stars, man. You know, they're, they're up there all the time. And some of us, most of us, don't take the time to actually soak it in. It's incredible. You're alive now. You exist. So enjoy everything else that's also existing. And that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. And uh, I can't wait to be back next week. Uh, Coming up, we're going to be doing, uh, I'm going to have a lot more of my friends on. Uh, It's just been crazy trying to schedule everything. But uh, we're finally ready that we can start doing some kind of live episodes uh, where we just turn the mics on and start talking and have a good time. Uh, We're going to have some more drinking with engineers. Uh, The first one we did uh, Drinking with Engineers Genetics, where we talked about the year in space mission, is a blast. Definitely go listen to that. Uh, my friends uh, John Neary and Neil Crawford, uh, both in the genetics field, uh, had a few beers and uh, just talked shit. It was awesome. <laughs> and we're going to do a lot more of that uh, soon. Uh, if you have any ideas for topics, uh, send them in. be more than happy to uh, to do a show about what you guys want to hear about. Uh, but, but I've got plenty planned, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, I'm going to have a bunch of my friends on who 
who who inspire me and I I know they're going to inspire you. So I can't wait to have them on. Uh, and that's coming up, uh, you know, in the coming weeks. Uh, and, you know, more continues with the 3D printing. Uh, not too much to report this week. Uh, it was kind of a, an off week waiting for stuff to come in so we can get to the next step. But this weekend, there's going to be a lot of work. Dare I say, by next episode, we might even be ready to print ABS. So we'll find out. But uh, without uh, any more, uh, <laughs> I was about to say further ado, but uh, I'm saying that way too much now. Uh, I need to find something else. But thank you for listening. If you want to help support the podcast, don't forget, use the Amazon link. Uh, also, very happy to offer two free books from Audible. So take advantage of that. Stimulate yourself mentally and keep yourself in the right mood to be successful. All right. Go out there, kick some ass, spread love, spread science, and have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you next Thursday for another episode of Today in Space. Today in Space.